Hello, everyone. Just to let you know before you listen to the podcast that we're holding eight free curriculum design events for primary senior leaders in coastal locations all around the country from early next year, 2020. These half-day events are for schools who don't currently use cornerstones because we'll be covering the essential aspects of curriculum design that if you are using cornerstones, you'll already have in place. Now, as well as covering curriculum design, we'll also be showing you how to reduce workload so you can really free teachers up to teach and how to craft a curriculum that is right for your school's context and values. We're excited to be joined by the inspirational, award-winning deputy head teacher and author, Jonathan Lear of Gorilla Ed fame. And you'll also be able to hear from local schools about their own curriculum design journey and the impact they're having. We're coming to Grimsby, Lowestoft, Sittingbourne, Bournemouth, Plymouth, Bristol, Blackpool and Hartlepool. And you can book up to two free places on each event. There's a morning or an afternoon option and lunch and refreshments are included. So it would be wonderful to see you there. Visit our events page on our website. That's cornerstoneseducation.co.uk to book your two free places. Thank you for listening and it's back to the podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. I'm your host, Caroline Pudner. Now, as many of you will know, this September sees the launch of Ofsted's new inspection framework. So what changes will schools notice and what will inspectors be looking for? Well, we decided to cut through the myths and speculation and ask Her Majesty's Chief Inspector Amanda Spielman herself about the shift in emphasis towards looking at the quality of curriculum in England's primary schools. It was really great to have the chance to discuss this important subject with Amanda and to hear her clear advice to schools. I'd really recommend reading the draft framework and inspection handbooks, which Ofsted has already released for consultation alongside this podcast. You can have your say until the 5th of April 2019, so do go to Ofsted's website if you'd like to do that. So I do hope you enjoy the podcast and that it gives you clarity and purpose when having conversations and making decisions about your primary curriculum. Okay, so welcome, Amanda, to the podcast. Thank you very much for talking to me today in your offices here in Westminster. Obviously, the big news is that you've released the draft new inspection framework uh, and it's out for consultation at the moment and due to be implemented in September this year, 2019. Um, And it really does represent quite a big shift in emphasis towards looking at the quality of a school's curriculum. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But I wondered why originally you decided to shine the spotlight on the curriculum. I think like many people, I recognised that something that's always been a very important part of education for various reasons had had very little inspection attention um, for more than a decade. Mm. And what we were seeing in various places made it clear that actually to get a good balanced view, we look not just at what how teaching is working on the ground on that day, but also to to take it up a level or two and to look at what a school is setting out to teach across a period of years, what it wants children to come out with. 
not just how well a particular lesson it set or set of lessons are working. Right, and you've actually called it as well a curriculum evolution rather than a revolution. So what, why was that? This is to stress that this is not suddenly asking schools to, to do something different. It's changing the inspection conversation so that we put more time and attention into something that's, that is incredibly important to schools, but always has been. Yeah. It's not about asking schools to do something different. It's about asking them to, to be willing to talk to us about it, if mm. you like. And you have been very open um, yeah. on the website and all the reports uh, that we've been following. Um, I mean, you've also done an awful lot of research mm. for this framework and, and it, you can read that by looking at yeah. your website. You've released all of the research. You've drawn upon academic research, but also a lot of on the ground phased studies in schools, which has been really interesting mm. to read. And I wondered if you, you know, looking at all of that together, are there any things that particularly have pleasantly surprised you in the state of education at the moment and or, or things that have particularly alarmed you or, or concerned you? First of all, I, you have to, every time you, you survey and do research on, on schools, mm. you are surprised and impressed by how many good things are happening and by mm. people's creativity, hard work, determination. There's always yeah. so much good to be seen. On the disappointing side, I think our research crystallised some things that probably most of us knew or half knew yeah. but that nevertheless have galvanized us into thinking it's right really mm. to put some more attention here so just to take one example in primary schools we have found that things like the the curriculum for things like humanities arts technology all of those tend to be much much weaker mm. than the curriculum in english and mathematics mm. which isn't to say that it's not completely understandable but it does yeah. suggest that we need to shine a little bit more light on to what's going on there and start talking to schools about what it is they're doing and how they're going about it. Yeah, so you've talked in previously about uh, the narrowing yeah. of a curriculum and it being maybe reductive for, for many different reasons. But you also mentioned that primary schools in that study, uh, that some of them had done less well, as you're saying, on mm. the implementation of yeah. their curriculum. However, they did know what they wanted mm. to achieve with it, so their intent was, mm. was strong. Why, why do you think that, that has been then? Well, in many ways, primary schools have the harder job yeah. because they don't have big management teams. Mm. They don't have somebody who is a subject expert yeah. in all the areas they teach. They're having to spread across um, very nearly the same number of subject areas. and. Sometimes they work to do that in integrated ways, but nevertheless, they need to have that underlying clarity. Um, and holding on to that um, at primary school level and do it all yourself is certainly a huge challenge. Mm. Um, primary schools are more likely, I think, to use various kinds of out outside resource and support, but but nevertheless, it's a really tough job they do. Yeah, so I know from being an ex-primary teacher mm. myself yeah. how hard it is. You have to be sort of jack of all trades, really. Yeah. Um, I mean... Uh, from what you've found out from talking to inspectors and talking to schools and academies, what do you, what do you yourself feel makes a good all-round primary curriculum? Well, here I have to be extraordinarily careful because yeah. people will say I'm contradicting myself course, when yeah. I say there isn't an Ofsted curriculum. But of course we can all see that good early reading is absolutely fundamental mm. um, to a good primary curriculum. And another thing that I think flows out of the research is that it's, it's going to be about substance, about things that are actually learned and retained, not just about lovely experiences. Mm. I think a primary particularly, perhaps, 
sometimes it's easier to get um, wrapped up in what often are wonderful experiences for children with not quite enough focus on what is it that they that, that you want them all to get out of it and hold on to mm, I think that moves on to my next um question really was is about there's been a huge debate as you're probably very well aware of the knowledge and mm. skills or knowledge versus skills mm. which um in one of the videos which are very useful mm. by the way the the Ofsted mm. videos Matthew Purvis said uh that you know in some ways it's unnecessary and divisive debate about knowledge versus skills but there does seem to be a growing mm. emphasis on a, a sort of knowledge rich curriculum so how can you at Ofsted avoid mm. promoting one style of curriculum mm. over another? Well that's something we're being extraordinarily careful not to do and have drawn up this framework in a way that leaves a lot mm. of space to design curriculum in different ways but I think if we look look at what the research all the research that we've drawn on for this framework shows um and where people's understanding has improved over the last decade or two is that skills development is not something distinct from knowledge mm. acquisition. Um, they both build over time and skills are a sort of complex performance mm. that draw on what's known. So the idea of a sort of skills curriculum that doesn't have anything to do with knowledge, I think we now know is, is a, a, a bit of a red herring. So you can absolutely take a, a knowledge-focused approach or a skills-focused approach, but in both cases, you've got to have that understanding of what it is that's got to be built and retained over time. Absolutely, and that goes back to that cohe the idea of coherence as well. Yes. You need to know where they're starting. I think Sean Harford said that in the interview we did with yeah. him last year about just know where you're yeah. beginning and where you want the children to, to and, be. And what the sequence is by yeah. which you're going to build, build from A to B. Yes, yes. So... I think that's really mm. clear and, and mm. really good advice for anyone listening, actually, who's thinking, who's worried mm. about the, the, the difference between we, knowledge and yes. skills and the balance. We really don't want people to be worried. As I said before, it's about surfacing something so it becomes part of the discussion. I've been quite surprised how many heads have told me that since they became heads, they've never had any conversations about curriculum in their senior team mm. or governing body meetings and that they've started having them as a result of this renewed focus and I'm hoping that that's a, a good thing for education that a lot of people are talking yeah, about yeah well we've certainly noticed it, haven't we Simon Simon's here who's uh, who works at Cornerstone as well one of our directors and we've definitely noticed a lot more questions um, people asking about curriculum I, I think it's very exciting yeah. because this is like you say the substance of education mm -hmm. something that I do really pick up on from you from what you from your speeches and and your reports Amanda is how much your really keen to promote equality and mm. provision and it does really come through yeah. very strongly you believe it seems in having you know high aspirations for children no matter what their background and recently at the committee yeah. you were talking about special needs children with special mm. needs and it's it, you seem very passionate about that about making sure that the uh, I think you said in the Wonder Years curriculum conference that a high quality education built around a rich curriculum yeah. is a matter of social justice, which is very powerful. And I yeah. completely agree with that. How, how do you think curriculum can help achieve this? I think it's important to remember, some can sometimes forget that the, the function of school, what, what school does if, is give children the things they won't get from their home environment. Mm. And the, the less advantage you'll start in life the more crucial it is mm. that schools understand and lay out those building blocks that take you ultimately to, 
just a, just as good a place as children who've been born with with every possible advantage. So, making sure that we really recognise it's not that school school does something much more than make children feel comfortable with themselves and good, and good about themselves. It's doing it's doing something that genuinely is leveling playing fields or, or, or get or getting towards it. But there is so much that more disadvantaged children need for that for that to be real and not just a statement of of wish. Yes, I noticed that you talking recently, I'm very interested in reading and yeah. how it's almost like a lock that, you know, yeah. once you've unlocked that, especially in the early yeah. years, um, you're already doing something towards that yeah. level playing field and it's it's opening children's horizons. Then, Reading isn't is it? so powerful. Yeah. The minute a child can, can, can decode and read mm. fluently, they can start learning for themselves. Mm. Until yeah. you get to that point, you are completely de- dependent on what adults around you say to you. And suddenly yeah. you have that moment where I can read a book, I can learn, I, mm. I can discover things for myself, I can, I can take myself forward. But it's always a balance. Um, and teachers are so important because the other thing we can sometimes forget about children is they don't know what they don't know. So they can find some lines of things that interest them. But teachers have that wonderful job of opening up children's eyes to this whole range Mm. everything they contemplate in their curriculum and what a child is interested in by by the end of primary Mm. school or the end of secondary school may be utterly different from what they ever ever thought that would interest them when they were six or seven it's our job to open up all those avenues yes i totally agree with that and i think that's it is a primary work because that's the area we're interested Mm. in is an incredibly crucial time so i noticed that key stage one to get the reading really under the belt uh, and alongside that widening the curriculum um you know will hopefully we'll Mm. see the the benefits of that over the next few months and years Mm. Um, now going back to the curriculum itself and you Mm. were just talking there about sequencing Mm. and progression as well and your colleagues and yourself have have met have called the curriculum the progression model I think did we have a question about that well someone questioned what that meant maybe it was on twitter what do you what do you mean by that let me give an illustration it's talking about where children are at, how much progress has been made by relating it back to the things your curriculum is trying to achieve. If you, let's say you do a maths test on some simple fractions, one kind of conversation you can have is, well, we've got 40% of children below the expected level or we've got seven going back to old speak, um, working at a 3C or whatever it might happen to be. That's not the kind of conversation that really helps you say, what are we going to teach next week? Do we need to rethink our fractions unit? A conversation that starts saying, um, we found that, that half the children are wobbly on adding simple fractions. That immediately takes people to the, the pedagogical curriculum kind yes. of conversations. What is it that as professionals we want to be doing more of or differently yeah. to, to take these children forward? I think that's that's the way to think about it. It's, it's to think about progression in terms of the specifics of your particular curriculum Mm. and whether you're succeeding in taking children through those what you're saying is looking at the substance of what's taught rather than what hoop is that jumping through so I think I'm hoping schools will Mm. really you know feel the benefit of that in their Mm. in their conversations like you say so looking at outcomes because obviously schools are in this kind of transition yeah. period uh, and they may be nervous about mm. you know well how do we think what what do we do about testing mm. and outcomes how, how would you advise them to approach testing uh, now well 
of course outcomes are and will always always going to be important yeah. i think the important thing is that it's outcomes achieved in the right way mm. so um again to take another example if if we find ourselves scraping around saying is there something i can find that i can give a child a tick on mm. so that i can give them this level and say they're working out level that's probably not quite the right way it's about the substance it's about outcomes really reflecting what the children have been taught and known some i think sometimes it can be it can feel more comfortable to go in the most direct way for the thing that seems most likely to collect marks on the test actually in the long run children do best when you aim well above that and when doing well in the test is almost the byproduct yeah. of having been taught well and thoroughly and really practiced mm -hmm. and got interested mm -hmm. in what it is you're being taught so it it's something about aiming high but not in not in a sort of vacuous way with with lots of morale, just just lots of morale building messages but saying we want to teach all children to this level that's probably above the test and we will work work right the way through it and then the te they will take the test in their stride yes you've said that actually that if the substance of, of curriculum is right then the outcomes will come mm. and uh, in fact Sean Harford also said that you don't teach reading tests yeah. or, or children how to do reading mm. comprehension you teach them you, you expose them to reading mm. and you teach them how to yeah. read and then yeah your outcomes will be will be mm. better looking at the inspection now and the experience for schools are you are you confident that inspectors will get a good sense of a school's curriculum from possibly over two days of book scrutiny uh, talking to the yeah leaders talking to children well the core of the inspection model as it has been for a good many years will still be that professional dialogue yeah. between the inspectors and the school leadership team and others yeah. we're making a bit more space for those conversations and, and for them to reach more deeply into the staff group so that we can really understand the decisions that have been made and we're making space for that by dropping out some of the data mm -hmm. conversations it's a light touch inspection model, especially when you compare it with, with most countries, trying to do, to recover a lot of ground mm. in a relatively br brief visit. But the aim is to really use that intensively to draw together the picture from a lot of different aspects of how a school runs, and none of which is perfect, definitive, mm. a basis for judgment in themselves, but to draw them together, to relate them and say, here's what it here's what we think it ad, it adds up to and we've been piloting that i think we're running nearly 250 pilot inspections oh yes i um, read that yeah in the program we did yeah. we did something like 50 of them in the autumn right. there's a really big program and there in, in each wave of pilots is giving us the information that we need to iterate but but broadly the message that's coming out of it is positive and reassuring okay um not just that it's doable, but the people actually welcome it and feel they're having richer, deeper conversations that get more to the heart mm. of what you would want schools to be thinking about and have their thinking tested on. Yeah, so th there's a pre-visit uh, conversation as well, I notice. So, you know, hopefully that will give them enough to go on. Yeah, there's a bit of a d discussion about that. We've proposed having the planning conversation on site right. um, rather, rather than off site. That seems to be a little bit more controversial than the core proposals, which which we know are very strongly welcomed. Um, the aim of it is to to make sure that if if you plan off site with just the data that's available ahead of an inspection, then it's hard for it not to end up a little bit data driven in terms of the things you you want the inspection to focus on. If you do the planning 
together with the head in and really have a that preliminary conversation about the sort of strengths weaknesses the things the head's comfortable with the things that they're not comfortable with that lets you shape an inspection that is a bit less data focused but as i said it's it, it, it's a bit more controversial, but I want to make sure that people really understand why we've made this proposal in response to very clear feedback mm. that people don't like inspection being too data focused. Right. Uh, you mentioned that some schools have maybe been stuck in requires improvement mm. uh, grading and the existing way that mm. inspections um, are carried out for, for long periods. Do you think the new framework will allow more movement from RI at all? The new framework really does, I think, help schools that are doing doing the job in particularly difficult circumstances to get recognition for what they're doing, even where it hasn't necessarily yet resulted in a significant change um, in the results mm. coming out at the far end. So, so the answer is yes, very definitely. Right. Well, that's that's heartwarming for many schools because um, they are making yeah. a huge effort, yeah. a lot of them, uh, in the right mm -hmm. direction. So, uh, equally, I suppose, will there be schools? I suppose there will that are good and outstanding who may well, if the, if their curriculum is mm -hmm. too reductive, maybe get a shock at the next inspection. That is the flip side. Yeah. It's hard, I think, to say that isn't the right outcome because mm. if you've got two schools that have got decent outcomes for children and yet when you look at it one's absolutely getting it in the right way teaching everything that should mm. be taught making sure that children really build a strong base mm. for the next stage and one that's one one that's achieving it by just cutting out an awful lot of what we know children children should have it it's hard to say that inspection shouldn't recognize the difference between between the two of course. i know most schools are in that first category already but we want to make sure that nobody feels that they should be cutting corners because if they don't they'll look bad compared with the school down the road that is right yeah and you know in terms of that as well i think with this shift this transition period it it, it can take schools a, a lot of time to work on their curriculum yeah. and work on the three eyes we've mm -hmm. talked about that before but you've got lots of information yeah. about that on your website um, and i was interested in what you said at the wonder years conference uh, about it being fine i mean we're talking mm -hmm. primary schools here for schools to be able to use good quality mm. textbooks or curriculum models yeah. that that will work for them that yeah. they can adopt do you do you stand by that are you happy for schools absolutely to do that? we really know that curriculum isn't a quick fix mm. it's not just words on a page it's about training teachers it's about professional support so we, we've been very clear that we're not looking from the day we start this new framework to to say you're not good unless you've got every I dotted and every 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 T crossed it's it's a work in progress we're looking to sit to, to see if if your thinking is clear if you know where you are if what's what's strong what's not if you if you're on the right path really mm. so it's almost demonstrating to inspectors that they really believe in their curriculum they've got mm. a clear intent and aims yeah. and I suppose if some schools then, like you say, haven't mm. maybe started to implement mm. it, but an inspector can really see they've got really strong plans in place to, to implement yeah. it and, and also how they're going to judge the impact yeah. of it as well. Yes, I was on an inspection a couple of months ago, which to me really illustrated mm. that. I was there for the part of the inspection where the, the inspector was talking about curriculum, it was primary school, and the the head was a, was, was a great enthusiast for curriculum and had thought about it, so we ended up talking about it quite a lot. And she'd also recognised that the model that she'd put in a few years before was good, but it wasn't quite doing everything she wanted. 
and she was able to to, to explain really clearly where she was mm. on her thinking about what they needed to adapt and develop in order mm. to make the model she'd chosen as good as it needed to be. And it was so clear, her analysis, her thinking, and the steps she'd taken and were in progress, mm. it was all logical, sensible. And the inspector came away very comfortable and saying, no question, that's good. Yes, yeah, so that's great. And, yeah. and I reckon a lot of heads will relish having yeah. the chance to really mm. think again of their setting yeah. and to create yeah. a curriculum that's right for their school. I mean, at the same time, I want to make sure we don't allow a, an idea to, to come about that it's, this, this is about sort of reducing expectations overall mm. if a school happens to be in a disadvantaged area. That it's, it's, it's a little bit of a slippery slope that... that mm people can sometimes slide into that our children don't need x and those are words that always make me a bit nervous because coming back to the social justice social justice is is saying any child can be born anywhere anytime none of us knows um we might have the next einstein in a reception class in sheffield next september no matter where they are, children children need to get to this yeah. to have the opportunity to get to the same place. I'd say it's morally important. Absolutely, it's whatever your background. And we've yeah. got a lovely school in um, Birmingham, Lee Forest, which yeah. is in one of the most deprived areas yeah. of the country, but is in one of the top ten percent yeah. of you know for impact. And they, I think, they do that because mm. their ethos is so strong, and they believe every child is mm. remarkable, and it just exudes that. And you fantastic. Know, but isn't I, it? I agree. What what you say though about it, you've still got to get the substance right and mm. yeah you can know your school and know your area but it's almost like despite your area yeah. you go for it and you you know you've, we've got the 2014 curriculum mm. it's how you put the flesh on that to fit mm. your setting yeah. and really bring it to life that's um i think it's for, for a lot of heads that's going to be a, a positive experience for mm. them um now, looking at positive experiences and also another issue that, that obviously we've heard a lot about is teacher workload. And I'm very interested in how you, Amanda, feel that this new framework um, and the shift in focus to curriculum may actually impact on teacher workload and teacher well-being if yeah. um, they're not so data-driven and, and having to collect reams and reams of data. Do you think it will make an impact? I hope it will make a significant mm. impact to the amount of, sort of data collection, data analysis that gets put on teachers. There's another shift implicit in this that I think is a really helpful one for teachers, which is in the current model of inspection, um, a great deal of the weight feels as though it lands on the shoulders of classroom teachers mm. um, because there's there's relatively little about the decisions that are made by leaders by subject heads in secondary schools um, which teachers then execute but aren't the people responsible but haven't been responsible for making those decisions we are explicitly putting more weight on those decisions that are making further up so more weight lands on those conversations and less weight sits on the shoulders of classroom teachers so actually I think that, that as heads and leadership teams get accustomed to this new model, mm. they will realise that it puts the weight in a different place. So perhaps there'll be a little bit less pressure on teachers to have the perfect Ofsted lesson and the perf perfect mm. plans for everything. Um, and a bit more on have yeah. we really thought through things through at management level, because that's that's what Ofsted Yes. seem to be particularly interested in and and also the bigger picture if you're thinking yeah. curriculum level yeah. that's a big whole school 
yeah. sequencing so one lesson yeah. out of that you know as long as you can yeah. say what yeah. th that, that this is part of this sequence yeah. of lessons then it's yes I can see what I but, can see your point but we're trying so hard um, and have been for a long time to be clear this is not about expecting every lesson to be perfect or mm. every bit of planning to be done in the same way or every or monumental amounts of triple marking red herrings myths so easily start flying mm. around the system beyond that i often find that people are a bit confused about the reasons about what we're doing when we observe lessons or or, or look at books yeah. it's not about making a judgment of the books themselves saying i'm sorry these books just aren't good enough that i can't po possibly give you a good with with those books it's about triangulation if your senior team has told you that this is the curriculum, this is how it works, and this is how, mm. how you take the history strand strand through. When you're looking at books, it's not to say, is it necessary to say, is it good or bad, but is what's actually happening, what the what leadership yeah. think is think is happening? Does it flow all the way through? The same with lessons. It's not about, is this good or is this bad? It's saying, does it all hang together? Mm. Are we hearing a consistent story? Can we draw together and say, yes, this is the, pic this, this is the picture of the school? Mm. Are there bits that don't stack up? So I, th I think people can often, I think teachers can often feel it's about directly judging them or the, or the, or the, the particular bits of class in the set of books that an inspector happens to look at. And that can make people feel under more pressure than they actually need to feel. Mm. So if there's, th there is a, a, a real message here that it is not a judgment hidden in each, each little thing that an inspector looks at. It no. really isn't. Yeah. I wish I was <laughs> being inspected now then <laughs> rather than 10 years ago. Yeah, no, I think that makes it really clear. It's the big picture and it's the mm. way, it all goes back to that implementation yeah. of your yeah. intent. You're looking at the how it's yeah. all getting implemented. And yeah, yeah, so it'll be interesting to hear from schools as well yeah. about how they, how they find that. Book scrutiny is also useful for getting that picture over time because mm. the day of the inspection is a, is a snapshot. And the focus of, of, on curriculum is a recognition that education is something where you really you can't draw that much from one day in a, in a child's life that whole picture of what you're developing over a period of years is really crucial so we're trying to find better ways of getting a handle on that true progression yes and that journey all in all this seems to be a very exciting time mm. for the curriculum we're really excited by it amanda and thanks for all your hard work in at Ofsted at, at uh, shining the light on the curriculum mm -hmm. and the substance of education because that's what it is and it's the future of our children you know that we're talking about it has great potential to to really broaden their horizons but there is obviously a lot of work to be done what do you feel are the main challenges for you at Ofsted but also for schools do you think in the next few months well for us obviously we've got a lot of implementation work still to do we've been training inspectors in some of the key strands of this for over a year now and we've provided lots lots of time and of course we've got this great big pilot program mm. so i'm pretty confident that we're going to be well prepared um very well pre very well prepared for the introduction in, in september but we mustn't let any any ball drop obviously yeah. um, but i've got the team here that that's really working on that and carrying on with the communications it's really helpful to make sure we get enough explanation out mm. We put a lot of stuff out very early to try and give everybody the best possible chance yeah. to, to understand the videos, the sessions around the country. Um, we want to do whatever whatever really helps, mm. not just heads, but also cl 
classroom teachers, people working at every level in the system properly, properly understand um, what what the thinking is un- underneath this. Yes, and, and you, it's still up for consultation, isn't it? So are Absolutely. you getting quite a lot of uh, comments coming in? I bet um, you are. <laughs> we've had over 2,000 already, um, of which at least... Um, I think somewhere between a thousand and twelve hundred are from individuals yeah. rather than organisations. So no, we're we're getting a fantastic level of yeah. response. But please, um, anybody listening to this, keep them coming. Yeah, so keep them coming directly to you because I've noticed on social media there's all sorts of debates, and really the the most helpful way is to do it directly to you, isn't it? Everything's on our website. Makes it very. Yeah. There's an online form. It's incredibly easy yes. to get to get your thoughts in. Okay, there you go. You've heard it from Amanda now. Um, so do you know if you do have a comment on it do go and have a look at all the information there's the framework on uh, Ofsted website the handbooks are there and the research as well which is very interesting to see all the research that's gone into it Um, well thank you so much Amanda for your time today and for talking to me Uh, I know for our listeners we have lots of school leaders but teachers as well who listen and I'm sure that it'll give them lots to think about over the next few months. That's great, thank you for giving me the chance to talk to you. Not at all, so uh, until next time listeners thank you for joining in today and uh, until next time goodbye for now.